to Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join up. Let's get this show started. My guest today is Chef Hugh Atchison, and Hugh was born in Canada, but he found his culinary inspiration in America's South, putting his own stamp on Southern cuisine. The winner of two James Beard Awards, he was on Top Chef and Top Chef Masters while continuing as chef and partner in three Georgia restaurants. I'm delighted to welcome Hugh on today to talk about his new and, in my opinion, long overdue cookbook, The Broad Fork. So thanks, Hugh, for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. You know, it starts right off for someone just like me that you, you tell us exactly what to look for fall, winter, spring, and summer on what fruits and vegetables are in season. And I never know what's in season. And this is your first page. It's clear and easy to read. I'm going to print it off and stick it in my purse. So thank you for, for a novice like me to, to have this cheat sheet. That's good. You know, I came up with a cheat sheet for our farms in Georgia a long time ago, just a menu plan for us professionally and look at what's coming up in the next few months. But I thought, you know, we all need it. And, you know, the seasons are going to differ a little bit in the United States. The landscape's pretty diverse uh, from the northwest where you guys are and to Georgia where I am. The seasons are going to be a little bit different. So, you know, your ramps may come in just a little bit later than ours, but they should be out there right now. So, you know, it's a good guide. Absolutely. And I think that we're seeing kind of a resurgence in home farming as well and and, and, and people putting in farms in their backyard or farms or gardens in, in, in their backyards and and canning and that type of thing. So it's it, it's nice to know if, if you're even just a, a part time little farmer um, in, in your own little backyard, I think that we're seeing more people planting even in the urban areas. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a resurgence of life skills. I think that uh, convenience food and a convenient lifestyle overtook us for 50 years, and we're just trying to figure out what damage was really wrought on us uh, as a society. And it seems to be pretty pervasive that it's caused type 2 diabetes and obesity, and we forgot how to cook and make things from scratch and how to grow things properly. So DIY culture is, you know, really coming back full force. And I think DIY culture and the concept of life skills includes just really basic good cookery. It's being able to fashion a meal out of some out of a quick stroll through a farmer's market and feeding your family, which is going to be the best time of your life is spent hanging out in the kitchen with your family, whether it be your husband and dog or your wife and dog or your kids or whatever it is, that's going to be the best time. And it's also very social. Uh, Kids really almost have this born instinct to enjoy cooking. Um, My kids are are grown, but I have two little granddaughters now, and they love to just help. We we put in a little garden in in our backyard, and and they each have a little row of something. And they really take ownership in that. And and even though they're not here every day, they'll call and they'll want to check on their pumpkin, or they'll want us to text them a picture of you know, something else that they're, and then they're really involved. And it, 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 it really 
not only brings people together at the table, but but brings it the whole process is is very interactive. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important for kids at a really young age to get exposed to vegetables and eat them on a regular basis and just get kind of enthralled in the real world of food as opposed to, you know, breakfast being a donut, lunch being a burger and dinner being fried chicken. Um, you know, your grandkids are going to grow up and hit 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're going to be much better eaters, and they're going to have a much better life because of it, because they'll be healthier and more acclimated to food and socially conscious about it. And, you know, I've got two kids who are 10 and 12, and that's been front and center. And what we've tried to do over the years is we're not zealous. They still love Chick-fil-A. You know, it's big in the mm-hmm. South. So, mm-hmm. but they do eat really well, and they understand that, um, you know, it's it's not a demand in our, our household to eat the cabbage or the beets or the carrots on the plate. They just eat them because it's there and they like it. Well, the, the the South sometimes has gotten a bad reputation for not eating healthy and having kind of an obese lifestyle. Are are, are you seeing a change in, in, in the way of, of that mentality? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really the era of convenience and a mistaken uh, definition of what true Southern food is. True Southern food is a reaction to agrarian uh, farmland around us and eating seasonally and what's there. And that's the 200-year-old real definition of Southern food. So a bucket of fried chicken and a bucket of salty biscuits is not really Southern food because you can get that in Tacoma just as easily as you can in North Dakota or in Smyrna, Georgia. So, you know, I, I think we just need to identify where the real notion of Southern food is. And I, I want to see a good spread of food and a, uh, a diversity in food that allows us to have the fried chicken and succotash and greens and sliced tomatoes and beautiful corn and mushrooms uh, lo- locally and grilled ramps. And that's the spread of Southern food that I want to celebrate. Well, and you talk about that in the Broad Fork about eating eating in a smarter way and making healthy more delicious um, instead of maybe the way our, our parents just put broccoli on our plate and that was our vegetable and they put potatoes on our plate and that was our starch and then they gave us a piece of chicken or a piece of beef or something like that and and uh, all of your recipes are really um, they're they're easy and they make sense and it takes corn for, just for example what what you can show us that we can do with corn instead of just making it corn on the cob because most of us all know when corn's in season because we we will see it it tastes good and, and we know how that is to have you know that that real corn that came right from the farm but but you kind of take it to the next level and show us all these wonderful things that, that that we can do with not only things like artichokes and and um asparagus which i i love all of those things but it it you you take us through every single thing that that's in season and show us all these wonderful things that that, that we can do to spice it up and make it fun yeah i think the important thing to realize about food these days is <clears throat> you know i run fancier restaurants and uh i just want to make sure that the books i write are dog-eared and well used and and show people that you don't have to wear a chef jacket to be in a kitchen and, and to cook every day. And I think that we've made food really precious. And I think it's time to take back that terrain as a standard eater and a regular person. You know, you talked about, you know, what our parents put on the plate. And my dad raised four kids by himself. 
on fish sticks and candy yellow wax beans, and I le- had to learn how to cook to eat well. So it was an important thing, and he did a great job in, in raising us, but not culinarily, he didn't. So I, I don't know, life's just better with good food, and life's better when you know how to cook. Well, and there are these little simple rewards that, that, that we can give ourselves because life is complicated and it's hectic. And sometimes we have to make our own little, we have to sew our little own luxuries in, into our day. And sometimes we can't go out to a fancy restaurant, but you can bring fancy into your home in these little spurts here and there. And it kind of um, brightens up your day and, and, and your meal and, and everything else. And, and that's what's so great about this. And, and you also take us through the fruits as well, apples and figs and cherries and, and all those things that, that are, are in season. So it's not only vegetables, but you talk about the fruits as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it was a, a, a way of looking at my full box that we get every week. And so we get apples and we get figs and we get all this stuff because it's a very diverse farm that deliver, uh, delivers that to our neighborhood. Um, so I just wanted to look and, and sometimes people just don't know what to, to, how to, you know, open their minds. People, people cook in the way they know how, and they rarely mm-hmm. change that. So they kind of go through the motions every time they cook of doing pretty much the same thing. So, you know, I, but I, you know, I've won James Beard awards and I've been highly lauded in what I do and the restaurants are great. And I love them, but I'm still learning every day. I'm still learning how to cook every day because cooking is this never ending topic. So I just want people to break the mold of what they know and start to think of new ideas and they don't have to be complex. They don't have to be, you know, overwrought. They just have, and they don't have to require a gazillion expensive ingredients. Most of the ingredients of this book are stuff you're going to probably have in your house already. And, uh, you know, some of them are don't, you don't, you're not going to have veal cheeks in the cupboard. Um, and if you do, you're weird. But, you know, everything else is pretty, you know, available. And that's good. Well, and, and, and you talk about in the book that, that we don't have to go all in. Like, we, we don't have to, like, give everything up and become a vegan. We, we can just do, we, we can just make small efforts and... And, and and kind of go at, at a pace that we're comfortable with and, and we actually just enjoy. I think it's small steps to make better communities. It's like a, it's a diligence to change little things in your life week after week to change little tiny things because nobody's going to jump to the perfect world. We have to go there slowly. So what I want people to do is just make a commitment to trying to cook, a commitment to going to your farmer's market, a commitment to getting a CSA box, and what that is and is, is not just a commitment to you and your family and cooking, but it's actually a commitment to your community. And it's engagement with your community. It's an economic engine driver and a tax base that funds your schools. And, um, you know, it's, it's just it paves the roads when you when you eat locally and try and invest in that local economy. So it doesn't have to be 100 percent. I just want it to be a little bit more than you did last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- that's exactly how to do it. And, you know, and, and you end up looking back. It, it, it's hard to, to gauge when you look forward. But once you look back, you can see all of the progress that that's been made. And like you said, if you just take little tiny steps, you know, you're just a little further than you were last week. You actually yep. married your wife's from Georgia. So she knew all about Southern cooking. And you're this acclaimed chef. Was was she able to teach you anything just from her Georgia roots that maybe you didn't pick up um, along the way? 
Yeah, there's some things that just bothered my northern sensibilities that I didn't really understand, like pimento cheese, until I finally just made it myself and had control over it and created the one I wanted to make, and it was awesome. So, you know, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of things in the southern vernacular of cooking that strike you sometimes as a bit odd, but they're great. And at its core, it's it's very, very simple food. I think it's got a very – but simplicity is not easy food to prepare, so I think it's got a kinship to Italian food. You know, I think the the best biscuits have a sort of uh, are parallel to the best pastas. You know, it's it's just a touch thing, and it's it's how you work the dough and how you figure it out. And um, I know you guys know pasta in Seattle definitely, and uh, getting good food out there. So it's the same type of thing. It's just treating things with care and respecting the ingredients. Well, and I was glad that you had a recipe that involved mussels because we love mussels up here and we get them fresh from Pin Cove daily. And I'm always at a loss kind of to what to pair with mussels as far as vegetables. And, and this just gave me great ideas for that as, as also for pairing with with. Uh, lobsters and and uh, and steak and lamb and and different things, you know. So so we're just not because what happens when we don't know? We go back to our old. We just grab a bag of frozen vegetables out of the freezer and away we go. But 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 when you have a little bit of information and and you plan ahead and 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 you look through this wonderful book, The Broad Fork, and and you see what you've done with it, and you make it to where it seems like I can do that too. I can find that vegetable and I can pair that with mussels and and all of a sudden, you know the the ordinary kind of becomes the extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, I think that the difference between freshly shucked peas that you shucked on your front porch this week because it's spring and frozen peas, there's nothing wrong with frozen peas, but there's this direct link to shelling them, and there's this direct respect that we have for the food when we buy it from a farmer who grew it. We shuck it ourselves. We assemble it and cook it, and our families enjoy it. It's just a different link. And I think in that era of convenience that we went through for, for, you know, half a century, even longer, I think what, what happened is we just lost respect for food. And so bringing it back and respecting it means that we'll waste a lot less, we'll eat a lot more appropriately, and we'll just be smarter about what we're doing, you know. And the other reason to, I think, diversify your portfolio of what you cook and your, your menu base and how you're cooking is that we just can't monocrop in the way that we've done for so long. We need to wean ourselves off the standard of soybeans and corn in favor of a lot of diverse crop rotations. That means menu rotation, changing it up for you and, and your community. Well, I'm, I was raised by two Southern parents, but both of my parents were from Tennessee. And so they cooked, it, it wasn't Southern food in our house. It was just, it was just food. And, um, but, it, it was Southern food, evidently, but but I just saw, always saw it as food. But our neighbors that lived next door to us were Cuban. And when we would always, you know, kids, everyone always wanted to eat dinner at someone else's house. We always wanted to eat dinner at their house because they were cooking Cuban food over there. And they were always wanting to eat over at our house because it was Southern food. Um, but I didn't see it as I'm like, really, you just want to have that? But but but, but there was just something in the way that my mom was was cooking and and and, and she was a gardener. And and I, I think it was that freshness to the table that even invoked 
to them, my, my neighbors who had um, come from Cuba and could could tell the freshness, I think, in, in, in what she was using and when she would pull some canned things, or could have been her homemade wine. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, not yeah. that we gave it to sure. them. <laughs> <laughs> but great. but I really liked what what they were doing, and they really liked what what we were doing, and and it really bonded us as as children and and neighbors again, just just over, you know, something simple like like a wonderful meal. Yeah, and I think that that's the important thing is those times, and I don't I think that if kids are in the environment watching you cook every day and cooking with you they learn and that's what makes the next generation better because this current generation you know they're anxious to get back in the kitchen but they don't really know what they're doing but they're happy to learn i'm glad for that but i think they uh they feel like they lack some life skills and uh you know a lot of people out there really do not know how to boil water so i i would like to see i I know that schools have a lot of budget cuts but it sure would be nice to kind of go back to um showing and and bringing that passion back to teenagers in in cooking that really everyone's so interested in when they're watching tv i mean the shows like like top chef and top chef masters get i mean everybody watches them we all just are just drawn to these cooking shows now and it's one of the most popular things on tv uh our our cooking shows and i think it just shows that that, that people at their heart really do want to do e- even just a little bit you know better and and different and people are really in in tuned and engaged in that right now i think so too i think more than ever people are wanting to to change the way they are and get healthier and get more in- interested and engaged in their communities. And I think cooking is one of the most important things in that regard. Absolutely. Well, the cookbook's called The Broad Fork. It's available now. And Hugh, I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on. I know you're super busy. And just to give us a little bit of time and talk with us here, you know, I, I just can't thank you enough. That was great. Well, have a good, uh, good week in uh, Seattle. All right. Thank you. And you too. And you can catch Hugh. He's on TV. I mean, you can see him. I mean, just he's he's a very popular guy. You'll see him on CBS or or the Today Show or or the Food Network. You just look and and, and use around. So and then in the meantime, get the broad fork and start cooking at home. Thanks, Hugh. Appreciate it. Good, good. Thanks a lot. All right. You're welcome. Bye bye. And we're going to play March to May's Georgia, and we're going to dedicate it to Hugh for coming on and to all of you for listening. The book's called The Broad Fork, Recipes for a Wide World of Vegetables and Fruits by Hugh Atchison. Thanks a lot for joining us. Leaving at the door See you 
Take me home, Georgia. Take me home, Georgia. Take me home, Georgia.